have your Bible today, I want you just to open it on your lap. We're not going to read a particular text as we normally do, but I promise you as we go through what the Lord has placed upon my heart, we're going to be reading several texts along the way. So I just want to begin this morning with opening in prayer. So just have your Bible in your lap or however you access God's word and then just bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, we are just so thankful today that we all have an opportunity to be in the house of the Lord. And Lord, your word says that your blessing makes rich and it adds no sorrow to. And Lord, we are just so blessed and so wonderfully cared for by our loving Father. And today, Father, we come to you for the study of the Word of God and the ministering of the Word of God, and I confess in my own self I am totally inadequate, and I need your help. So I pray that you would anoint me. I pray that you would give me divine utterance to speak here in this place this morning. Help us, I ask, O oh God, to... Speak what you would have us to speak. Anoint it with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then I pray, Father, that you will allow it to fall upon hearts that are prepared and open to hear what the Spirit would say to the church today. Give us divine liberty in the house of the Lord. And for that, uh, we'll give you thanks. Give us, I pray, Lord, an eloquence, an ability to deliver what you have placed upon our hearts. Let everyone receive, help me to minister on every level where each one may receive from you here this morning, that your word, the seed of your word would be planted deep within our heart, and Lord, that it would take root and that it would grow and that it would cause us to grow in our relationship with you. For all of these things, we are grateful, we are thankful, and we pray them now in the name of Jesus, and everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. So this morning, we are going to pick up once more where we left off on our sermon series, Teach Us to Pray. And this is the seventh sermon of that series. And this morning, I want to title this particular sermon or this particular teaching this morning, The Problem of Prayer. The Problem of Prayer. As you are aware, we have been studying the magnitude and with some uh, in-depth look at uh, the Lord's Prayer. And each week we have been endeavoring to dig a little deeper and to find a little greater understanding of everything that Jesus was teaching us. That would help us to be more effective and to help us to be more proficient in our prayer life. And over the course of the last six weeks, I am both prayerful and I am hopeful that we have all gleaned some things that the Spirit has spoke to our hearts and given us a greater understanding of the core principles that Jesus taught in the, the Lord's Prayer. And just real quickly this morning, we have learned that prayer is about resting in our relationship with God. 
We have learned that prayer is about recognition of whom our God is and how great our God is. We have learned that prayer is about reverence and reliance and devotion. It is about prophetic promise and kingdom culture, not just kingdom culture that is to come, but kingdom culture in our lives right now. Prayer is about submission and surrender, daily provision, both natural and spiritual supply. It is about confession and repentance. It is about worship and praise and adoration unto the Lord. And beloved, I can't help but believe that if we will engage all of these principles or all of these attributes as we come to the Lord in prayer, then I believe that we will see a profound and a very positive effect upon the results of our prayer life. But this morning, I want to turn from those teachings that Jesus taught, and I want to look at prayer from another perspective. I want to look at prayer from an entirely different point of view, and I want to point out to you that when it comes to prayer, there are also some problems of prayer. Pastor Gary, what in the world do you mean? It's always good to pray. How could prayer be a problem? Well, I hope to show you that before we are through this morning. Let me just share with you, Jesus says these words in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. Jesus says, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asks receives, and he that seeks shall find, and to him that knocks it shall be opened. We know those verses, right? We've read them before. We're encouraged to ask. We're encouraged to seek. We're encouraged to knock. We're encouraged to seek the Lord. Amen. We've read those verses before, but let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever asked and did not receive? How many of you have ever knocked and it was not opened unto you? How many of you ever sought and you did not find the answer that you were looking for? What I'm saying this morning is that if God encourages us to pray, and he does, if God's word tells us that he will hear and answer our prayer, and it does, amen, but we are experiencing unanswered prayer in our lives, then I would say we have a problem. So the question becomes, why do we experience unanswered prayer? Is that relevant to anybody? Anybody, I mean, anybody understand what I'm talking about this morning? You've prayed and it didn't happen like you thought it would happen. The only logical, we, we have to ask why, why, why did we not receive? Why did he not answer? And the only logical answer to that question is that there must be a problem. There must be something standing in the way. There must be something keeping God from moving on our behalf. There must be some condition that we have not yet met 
There must be something that is standing in the way. And beloved, what we need to understand this morning is that there are certain conditions that must be met in order for our prayers to be successful. The Bible clearly tells us that there are some very real problems of prayer. And if we are not careful, those problems will hinder us from receiving the answers that we desire. And I will tell you right up front that the truth of the matter this morning is that they are problems created of our own doing. The problems that I'm talking about this morning, the truth of the matter is that they are problems of our own creation. Amen. They are very real. They hinder our prayer life and they keep us from receiving what Jesus has promised that we could receive. But it is not him that is failing us. It is our own self getting in our own way. So this morning, I want to take a few moments to point out some of the attitudes and some of the activities on our part that can and do create problems in our prayer life. So if you have your scripture open, I want you to turn to James chapter 4, verse number 3. James chapter 4 and verse number 3. <laughs> That's all right, brother. If mine went off, you would hear against the wind. I am a Bob Seger fan. <laughs> Somebody go, yeah, Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> so the first problem of prayer that I want to talk to you about this morning is found in James chapter 4 and verse number 3. And this is what James says. You ask and you receive not. Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lusts. The first problem of prayer is that all too often we are praying with the wrong motive. We are praying with a wrong motive and wrong motive will cause a power failure in our prayer life. James is telling us that when we pray, we need to be keenly aware of the motive behind our prayer. James says in the God's word, he says, when you pray for things and you do not get them, it is because you want them for the wrong reason. <laughs> for your own pleasure. These verses or this verse reveals to us that we are to be praying for the things that edify the body of Christ and bring glory unto God and not just for our own selfish desires. We are to be praying for things that will exalt and lift up the name of the Lord and not just things that will feather our own nest. We are to be praying for his will, his kingdom, his glory, his power to be manifested in the church, in our lives, and in the world that is around us. 
If we're honest with ourselves that all too often we create the problem, amen, in our own prayer life because we are asking amiss to consume it upon our own desires to benefit ourselves. I'm reminded of a story that I read sometime back about a little boy that stayed home from school because there was a snow day. And when he went back to school, his teacher said to him, how did you spend your time? He said, I prayed for more snow. <laughs> or the young college girl that said, Lord, I'm not praying this for myself, but please send me a very, send my mother a very strong and handsome and rich and Christian son-in-law. So this is an absolutely true story. I'm holding a revival in Burns, Oregon. And there was a woman that came up for prayer after the service. And I asked her what I was praying with people. And, and I asked her, I said, what is it that you would like for me to pray with you about? She said, I want you to pray that the Lord will allow me to win the lottery. <laughs> and if I win the lottery, I will build a new church in this town. So I said to her, I said, well, how about we do this? How about we just pray the Lord somehow, some way builds a new church in this town and we won't worry about how the money comes in for him to do it. And God is my witness. She said, well, then I wouldn't win the lottery. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that guy's name, but you know, you go, here's your sign. Not difficult to figure out what her motive was. Can you say amen? Not difficult at all. Saints of God, what I'm saying this morning is that we often have prayed for things in our lives and when you get right down to it, our motive was not so pure. How often have we prayed our will instead of praying for God's will to be done? Amen. And when we do that, when we pray, amen, to, to feather our own nest or to benefit ourselves, amen, really we're praying with the wrong motive. How many of you know if you pray for the things that God desires for you to pray for, God himself will minister to your need because he knows what you have need of. Let me give you a biblical example. You'll find it in Matthew chapter 20. The mother of James and John come to Jesus. And this is what she says to Jesus. The Bible says she came desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, woman, what, did I, what wilt thou that I do? And she said, I want you to grant unto me that my two sons may sit at thy right hand and at thy other hand, the left, in thy kingdom. That's my request, that my two sons will be able to sit with you in your throne on the right hand and on the left hand. And Jesus says to her, you know not what you ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And here was John and James's answer. We are able. We are able let me just tell you right here that James and John didn't even know what cup he was talking about. 
They, he, they didn't even realize what cup he was talking about. And the cup that Jesus spoke of was the cup of his suffering. Remember in the garden when Jesus prayed, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this cup of suffering pass from me. And, and Jesus is asking them, are you able to take the grief and the sorrow and the agony and the pain? Are you, are you able to take the suffering, amen, that it takes to sit in the throne, amen, what Jesus was talking about was the cup of his suffering and James and John had no idea what he was talking about they weren't interested in suffering for others they weren't interested in any agony or sorrow they were just simply interested in position and power and authority and recognition and honor they were just simply interested in a high place in the kingdom and I tell you this morning that all too often uh, when we pray we pray for things uh, and position and power and influence and when we do that our own self Selfish motives hinder our prayers from coming to pass. When we pray that kind of prayer, the Bible says that we are asking amiss. When we pray that kind of prayer, the scripture says that we are praying with the wrong motive. The scripture teaches that we are praying to consume it upon our own lusts. Think about this for a moment. When the early church in the book of Acts prayed, the Bible says they received power and glory from God. Amen. When they prayed, God received glory and they received power to preach the gospel. When the early church prayed in the book of Acts, the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. When the early church prayed, the city was shaken and they, the disciples, proclaimed the word of God with boldness. When the early church prayed, Peter's chains fell off as he was sitting in jail and the angel of the Lord led him through locked gates and turned him loose. When the early church prayed, amen, the prison where Paul and Silas were sitting, shackled and bound, began to shake by the power of God in an earthquake, amen, that God rocked the prison cells, loosed their chains and set them free. And now less than 30 years later, James writes to a church, that doesn't even receive answers to their prayer any longer because they're not even praying. James has to remind them that they have not because they ask not. Amen. And they ask and do not receive because they have the wrong motive in their heart. In less than 30 years, a powerful church a prayerful, powerful church had become powerless all because they had ceased to pray and because they prayed with the wrong motive. Beloved, we need to understand that selfishness and wrong motive will paralyze our prayer life. Amen. We have a tendency to pray, God bless me, my four and no more. Everybody else is on their own. That's not scriptural. Amen. We, he, his, his own model prayer teaches us that we are to pray one for another. That we are to hold one another up. Amen. In prayer. 
when we pray for his kingdom, his glory, his power to be manifested. Amen. God can easily answer those prayers. And I promise you, you're not going to be left out. The second problem with prayer is that all too often we ask while we are harboring sin in our heart. How many of just love when God turns on the spotlight and searches your heart and shows you some stuff inside you that you didn't even know was there? You're like, oh, wait. I didn't want to know that. I didn't want to know that either, Lord. Hello? Well, let me just tell you that unconfessed sin in our life will plug up the pipeline of prayer. Unconfessed sin in our life. Here's what the Bible tells us, and you can turn there if you like, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read you a, a handful of scriptures here. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. The Bible said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, neither his ear heavy that he cannot hear. Then what is the problem, Lord? Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear you. Hello? He's saying that sin in our lives will hinder our prayers. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 28 through verse number 31. They will call unto me at that time, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Why, Lord? Because they have hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They refused my advice. They refused my word. They despised my warnings. And because they have done that, they will eat the fruit of their own lifestyle. They will eat the fruit of their own life. And they will be filled with their own devices. In other words, what God is saying, because you would not hear correction and you would not turn from your wicked way, when you call unto me, I will just turn my back upon you and I will not hear you and you can just eat the fruit of your own life. That is a difficult passage, is it not? Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 9 says, surely the prayer of someone who refuses to listen to God and listen to God's teachings is disgusting. That's the God's work translation. First Peter chapter 3, verse number 12, said the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ear is open unto their prayers. Now let that sink in. I'm fixing to show you a contrast. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ear is open to their prayers. Here's the other side of the coin. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. In other words, if there is iniquity in our heart, unconfessed sin in our life, amen, God will not hear our prayer. The face of the Lord will be against us. Beloved, if we are harboring sin in our lives, it will derail our prayers. 
Unconfessed sin in our heart will limit our prayers from coming to pass. Proverbs 15 and 29 said, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. Psalms 66 and verse number 18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What does that word regard mean? I looked up some synonyms. It means if I esteem sin in my heart, if I have an affection for sin, if I observe sin, if I value sin, if I approve of sin, if I hold it near and dear to my heart, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. In other words, if I cherish sin, if I make an alibi for my sin, if I make excuses for my sin, if I try to hide and cover my sin, if I try to coddle and nurture and hold on, amen, if I try to live on the fence, serve God and live, amen, with the enemy working in my heart at the same time, the Bible said that God will not hear our prayer. It's a problem of our own making. But it is a problem that will hinder our prayer life. I submit to you this morning that if we are not experiencing a fruitful prayer life, then we need to determine our motive. And we need to find out if we are regarding sin. We need to uh, confess our sin before the Lord. And we need to make certain that we are currently walking in the will and the way and the word of God. And walking in obedience to the Lord. Number three, the third problem of prayer. Is often unbelief. 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 How many of you have ever experienced unbelief in your heart we all have right what about the you know man that came to Jesus and Jesus said if you can believe and he said I believe Lord and then he thought about it and he said help my unbelief there's a, there's a part of me that's holding back <laughs> there's a part of me that's not so sure well, let me talk about belief and unbelief for just a moment Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must first believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is saying that if we're going to reap the rewards of our prayers, then we must have faith and we must stand in belief with nothing wavering. Jesus, the first words that he preached in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 14, Jesus said, the Bible said he came into Galilee preaching the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the gospel. 
Mark chapter 5 and verse 36, Jesus said, be not afraid, only believe. In Mark 9 and 23, he said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to them that believe. In John chapter 6 and verse number 28, the disciples asked him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And this was his answer to them. He said unto them, this is the work of God that you believe on him that sent me. Amen. In John chapter 11 and verse 14 amen. Mary and Martha are standing there and Jesus says amen about Lazarus's tomb. Roll the stone away and Mary said by her Martha said by now Lord he stinks and Jesus said did not I say unto you that if thou wouldest believe thou shouldest see the glory of God. What I'm saying this morning is that we, if we come to the Lord in prayer in unbelief, amen, without, with a lack of faith in our heart and we pray, amen, we're not going to receive because unbelief will keep us from the promises of God. Unbelief will stifle our prayer life. In Mark chapter 11, verse 24, this is what Jesus said. Whatsoever things, therefore, you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. In Psalms chapter 78, verse number 40 and 41, some of the most tragic scriptures in the word. It says, how oft did they provoke him? The children of Israel, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they do that? By their unbelief. That scripture is talking about the time when they came to the banks of the Jordan River and God had said, I've given you the land, go get it. And they said, we can't have that land. There are giants over there. And their unbelief caused them to turn back from what God had said. And they, they, they limited the power of God in their own life because of their unbelief. I tell you this morning, unbelief will always hinder our prayers. Unbelief will always cause a problem of prayer. The fourth thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is impatience. Impatience. Hebrews chapter 6, the Bible says in verse 12, Be not slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now let that sink in for just a minute. He said, don't be slothful, but be followers of them who through faith, belief, and patience Inherit the promises. Hebrews 10 and 36 says, For you have need of patience. After that you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. He's saying that after you have done the will of God and after you have prayed, you need to have some patience. Patience, a lack of patience will cause a problem in our prayer life. Abraham prevailed. How did he do it? Because he staggered not at the promise of God. 
Abraham received a promise from God that he was going to have a son. How long did it take? 24 years before the promise came to pass. And yet, in that time frame, he never staggered at the promise of God. He had patience to wait upon the promise of the Lord. Jacob prevailed when he wrestled with the angel. Amen. When he is patiently and steadfastly held on and refused to let go. He said, I won't let you go until you bless me. Elijah prevailed on the top of Mount Carmel. Amen. Said As he continued to pray for rain when there was no rain. Uh, Elisha prayed. Uh, amen. And he prevailed because he refused uh, to let Elijah out of his sight. Uh, the widow uh, prevailed against the unjust judge because of her patience and because of her persistence. I tell you this morning that impatience is a prayer killer. Amen. When you go to God in prayer, let me just tell you that God does all things in his timing and in his way. When you go to God in prayer, amen, you just let your need and your request be made known unto the Lord and then you hold on to the promise of God and it don't matter how long it takes for it to come to pass. Brother, if God said you can have it, you can have it. Hmm. Hmm. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, do not be weary in well-doing. Do not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we faint not. Beloved, don't become impatient with God. The Bible said that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. We are so concerned about timing because we live in a confined time restraint. And God just says, hey, you just trust me and when the time is right, I'll make it happen. Hello? But Lord, I want it to happen right now. That's right. I want it now. We're like a kid in the back seat of the car. Are we going to go now? Are we going to go now? Are we going to go now? Are we there? Are we there? I, I promise you there have been prayed things that I have prayed about that I wanted God to do. I mean right now, instantly. And the Lord just said, you just leave it in my hands and I will take care of it. God answers prayer in one of three ways. Yes, not yet, and no. <laughs> Hello? We don't like the not yet and the no. That's our problem. We got to get over the not yet and the no. But here's what I will tell you. If we just hang on to the promises of God and we hear the voice of the Lord and stand on the promise, it doesn't matter when God brings it about. He will bring it about in his time. The Bible said that he makes all things beautiful. In your time, no. In my time, no. In his time. In his time. Amen. God makes all things beautiful in his time. So let me just tell you this morning, if you are not experiencing answers to your prayer as you desire, maybe we need to check our motive. Maybe we need to see if there's something in our heart that we are walking in disobedience to the things of the Lord. Maybe we're walking in unbelief. Maybe we are walking impatiently. The, the fifth thing, and I have two more, the fifth thing. 
that will hinder prayer is disharmony in your home and in your marriage. Did you know that the Bible said that disharmony in your home or with your spouse will block your prayers? It's true. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Let me read it to you. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. This is what Peter says. He's writing by the unction of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, your wife, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. He's telling them to live with their spouse according to knowledge, to honor each other, to respect each other, to care for each other, to treasure one another, so that their prayers will not be hindered. Let me first point out that Peter does not suggest that the wife is weaker mentally, morally, or spiritually. He is just simply saying that God made the husband the head of the house. Come here, camera. If you want to cancel me for that, go ahead and cancel me. Okay, so let me just explain something to you folks. Some people despise the biblical concept of marriage and a husband and wife living in, the, in accordance with God's word because they think that they're making the wife a second-class citizen. That could not be further from the truth. It could not be further from the truth. God, what is the opposite of order? Chaos. If there is not order and there is not structure, there is chaos. And God says that the husband is the head of the house and the head of the husband is the father. Amen. And so God is just simply applying order or structure so that there is not chaos. The Bible does not teach that women are mentally weaker, morally weaker, or spiritually weaker. What Peter is referring to right here is they are physically weaker. Understand that Peter is saying that we as the husband are to give honor to the wife as unto a weaker vessel, meaning that men unto honor or are to honor their wife as a more beautiful, more elegant, and more precious treasure than we even think of ourselves we are to love our wife even as Christ loved the church and died and gave himself for it it does not mean that just because God made us the head of the house that we run around like a Napoleon barking out orders and expecting everybody to line up with us you sir are the one that's out of order no, real order is when the husband respects the wife, he meant to the point where he's willing to cherish and nurture and love her and honor her and respect her, amen, and take care of her and minister to her every need. And she, in return, is willing to honor and submit to him. 
as they both submit to God. Hmm. He's saying that a husband should treat wives like a valuable and beautiful and precious treasure. He's saying give honor to each other and treat each other with courtesy and respect. And notice the last part of that verse. He says if a husband or a wife treats the other disrespectfully or dishonestly, then the prayers of those individuals will be hindered. Peter indicates that the, husband, the husband's failure to respect his wife as an equal partner will block his prayers and make his prayers of none effect. Fussing and fighting with our spouse will hinder our prayers. Talking harshly and cruel, cruelly to one another will thwart our prayers. Treating each other as, amen, in an abusive manner, whether it's verbally or physically or, amen, any other way will hinder your prayers. Living deceitfully with your spouse, living disrespectful in a manner that is disrespectful will, will hinder your prayers. He's telling us to live in such a manner that we are not to live in a way that our prayers would be hindered. He's saying don't allow resentments to grow. Don't allow bitterness to be rooted in your heart uh, over some petty disagreement. Uh, he's saying don't let the sun go down on your wrath uh, and don't let other things and other people come between you uh, and your wife, including family. Hello? Amen. Don't allow anything to come between you and your spouse. Uh, amen. And if you want some more scripture to back that up, turn with me to Malachi chapter 2. I love this one. Malachi chapter 2, verse 13 and verse 14. The prophet speaks the words of God, and God says to the children of Israel, and this ye do. This is what you do, people. This, he's talking to the children of Israel. This ye do. Ye cover the altar of Jehovah with tears, with weeping and sighing. He says, you're praying, you're praying. I hear your prayers. I see your tears. I see your weeping. I hear your sighing. Insomuch, he says, that he regards not the offering anymore. Neither does he receive it with goodwill at your hand. And yet you say, why? So get the picture. They're praying, they're weeping, they're in the altar, they're crying before God, and God says, eh. I, I don't even regard your prayer. And they say, why, Lord, why? And here's the answer. God says, because Jehovah, Jehovah has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously and dishonestly, though she is the companion and the wife of thy covenant. In other words, God is saying, I don't hear your prayers anymore because I have seen the way that you treat your wife. Common English. Hello? I don't hear your prayers anymore because of the way that you treat your spouse. 
God is saying, I don't hear your prayers anymore because I'm tired of the way that you treat your treasure. I'm tired of the way that you treat your gift that I gave you. I'm tired of the way I'm grieved, I'm offended, amen, and you mistreat the precious gift that I placed in your life, and I am fed up with it, and therefore I will not hear your prayer. I will not regard your prayer. I looked up the word treacherously, some synonyms. It means deceitfully, unfaithfully, disloyally, underhandedly, adulterously, dishonestly, fraudulently. God is saying, I'm fed up with the way you treat your companion and the wife of thy covenant, and she may not be able to do anything about it, but I will. Hello? Peter makes it clear that we are supposed to dwell with one another as heirs of God's grace so that our prayers will not be hindered. Beloved, I submit to you this morning that if the wife shows submission and the husband shows consideration and if they both submit to Christ and follow his example, it'll be nothing but good stuff. It'll be nothing but good stuff. How do you know that? Stand up, woman. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know, I mean, my better half, I met her February the 6th, 1981. And I went, wow. And she just didn't, she couldn't believe that I was the kind of guy I said I was. And then she spent a little time with me, and she thought, you know, this guy may not be that bad. <laughs> and it's been working for over 40 years, amen? I'm telling you, it gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. I hear people talk about, oh, the ball and chain. My God, I don't even know what I'd do without her. I thank God for my ball and chain. <laughs> <laughs> So, so if, if, we, if we want God's best, amen, and we, 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 we don't want to rob each other of a blessing in growing in Christ, here's some questions that we need to be, uh, be asking ourselves based upon what Peter says. Are we partners or competitors? According to the Bible, she is a part of me. The Bible says that, you know, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. When you deal with me, you're dealing with her. When you deal with her, you are dealing with me. We are one. And are we competitors or partners? Are we helping each other become more spiritual and helping each other draw closer to God? Or are we trying to drag one another away? Well, I promise you, if you're the one trying to drag someone else away from the things of God, you're going you're gonna to be the one that's going to be accountable for it. Are we sensitive to each other's feelings and ideas and, amen, and needs, or do we take one another for granted? It becomes so easy for us sometimes to take those that we love for granted. Ask yourself what your life would be like without them, and that'll straighten you right up. Are we seeking God in prayer? Are we are enriching our lives because of our marriage? Or are we robbing one another of God's blessings? I submit to you this morning that a house that is divided against itself cannot stand. 
So you need to either work together or your divisions will eventually pull you apart. But I can assure you that they will hinder your prayer life. The, the, the sixth thing that I want to talk about quickly, the sixth thing that I want to talk about, and the final thing that hinders or, or causes a problem in our prayer life is refusing to see the needs of others. Refusing to be compassionate toward others. Pastor, do you have Bible to back that up? Proverbs chapter 21, verse number 13. Here's what the scripture says. Whoever stops his ears at the cry of the poor or the less fortunate, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. So what does that mean in plain English? Whosoever shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will call and will not be answered. If we're not being generous toward others, and I'm not talking about just financial generosity. I'm talking about being generous with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, all of our gifts, everything that we are. If we're not being generous toward the less fortunate, then I promise you God sees that stingy attitude. And God says that because of your because of your uncompassionate heart, it will cut off your prayers from being answered. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 and verse 8, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For if he sows to the flesh of the flesh, he will reap corruption. But if he sows to the spirit of the spirit, he will reap life everlasting. What does that mean? It means that what you plant, you are going to receive. If you plant compassion, you're going to receive compassion. If you plant uncompassion or stinginess or, you know, you see the need and refuse to help even though you can help, then you are the one with the problem and you're going to reap exactly what you've sown. You're going to reap exactly what you've sown. In order for us to be unhindered in our prayers, we must rid ourselves of a spirit of greed and replace it with a spirit of compassion and a willingness to give of ourselves toward God. Proverbs chapter 14, and I close with this particular scripture. Proverbs 14 and 31 says, Whosoever oppresses the less fortunate insults his maker. But he who is generous to the needy honors him. I assure you this morning that God sees our compassion. And when we are compassionate, God honors that and grants unto us our prayers being heard. But when we are uncompassionate and we shut up the bowels of tenderness, we shut up our heart and refuse to allow compassion to rule in our spirit toward others, then God says, okay, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. <laughs> That's a loose white translation. <laughs> So let me close by just asking, are you being successful in your prayer life? If not, maybe we need to ask ourselves, 
Is it motive? Maybe we need to ask ourselves, is there something in me that I'm walking in some kind of disobedience? Is there something in me that I'm hiding away in my heart that God knows about that's hindering, that's plugging up the pipeline of prayer in my life? Could it be unbelief that's lurking in the recesses of my heart? Am I just impatient? Is it, is it just impatience? Could it be because we're not tra- treating our spouse the way we should be treating them? Maybe we're tinkering around on the side doing this and that, and we're being dishonest and treating them treacherously. Maybe, maybe it's because that we've shut up compassion and we're just living for number one. Whatever the case may be this morning, there are some problems when it comes to prayer, but they are problems of our own making. They are problems of our own making. Bow your heads, please. The point is this morning that yes, God encourages us to pray. And yes, we do have promises from God that when we pray, our prayers will be heard. But they will only be answered when we get the hindrances out of the way. I don't know what problem is hindering your prayer from coming to pass today. But I invite you this morning to just take a long look in your heart and in your spirit. And if you can identify one of these problems in your life, then before we leave today, turn that over to the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I ask you to touch our hearts. I ask you, Father God, in Jesus' name, to touch our hearts this morning. I pray, Lord, that you will minister and open our hearts unto you, that you will reveal unto us, that you will reveal unto us any area of problem that's hindering our prayer life and help us to settle that right here, right now. In Jesus' mighty name, we ask. In Jesus' name, we pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Are you here this morning and you would be willing to slip up your hand? Not to Pastor Gary, but to the Lord and say, Lord... I can identify that problem that he talked about today and I need your help. God bless you and God bless you and you and you. Others and you and you. Lord, help us to eliminate the problems so that we may receive as you have promised and that our joy might be full. We ask it in Jesus' name. We ask it in Jesus' name. Stand to your feet all over the building, please.
come and go ahead and sing.